Find Your Focus is a recharging space for the ambitious, introverted woman. Grab a quick energy boost and reflect on how you want to show up as an introverted leader in your personal and professional life. Here's some inspiring stories of people around the world who've done things differently from society's extroverted expectations. Your host, Heather, a woman's leadership and life transitions coach, founder of a restored radiance coaching for the ambitious introvert, international communicator and marketer, world traveler, UK expat, and fellow introvert. Heather aims to help ambitious, introverted women find their unique leadership voice and create life transition roadmaps from career changes to moving countries or cities. Join Heather every Tuesday to find your focus, to fill your mindset with positivity and motivation to go after your dreams using your own unique energy blueprint. Your perceived weaknesses are your powerhouse. Here is your host. Hello, hello, loves. Today on the podcast, our guest is Rowan Woolsey, who is a sweetly irreverent mindset mentor and writer who has been building and growing million-dollar businesses and high-performing teams for nine years. Her stores and teams have won trips, awards, and she has built strong relationships and support within her community. But before all of that happened, she was a shy loner, super into 80s films, fantasy, and writing her own Alexander Dumas fan fiction, traits that didn't earn her very many friends, as she says. In fact, the bullying gave her a severe stutter and she could not speak in front of others. In order to leave the situation, she put her head down into books, got to work, and enrolled in her first college course at 15 years old. Now her mission is to empower multi-passionate, messy bun creatives through coaching and education so they can break up with toxic relationships, starting with their inner mean girl, discover their self-worth and purpose, and have fulfilling and joyful lives. So without further ado, Here's Rowan. Hello, lovely ladies. I am so excited to bring to you our guest for today, Rowan Woolsey. She is a sweetly irreverent mindset mentor and writer. And she's gonna be talking all about moving from the hustle to quitting your day job and the sticky middle in between. So I can't wait to have her on sharing all of her juicy information and tips for you. Rowan, welcome. Thank you so much. It's awesome to be here. Oh, well, I can't wait for the the women on the pod to get to know you and to get to know your work and the tips that you have learned along the way. So before we jump into all the goodness that is your, your life lessons, your life story, I wanted to just throw in some introverted icebreakers. So I wanted to dive in and see <laughs> how and why do you identify with being an ambitious introvert? Well, that's an awesome question because I think sometimes when we are quiet and we like that solitude and alone time, we think that maybe going after a big dream isn't for us because we don't want to put ourselves out there or be around a lot of people. But I think the reason I identify as an ambitious introvert is because I have a lot inside me and I tell my friends, I tell my clients that you have a universe inside your soul and you have so much expanse in there, it has to go somewhere. So for me, being a creative and being 
loving all different sorts of things, I have to put that out into the world or I just feel like I'm not doing my job on earth. Oh, I love that quote as well. I feel like I have a universe inside my soul. That, like when you said that, I just totally related to it. I was like, yes, that's that's exactly what it's like being an introvert. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. I also, I think introverts as well always get a bad rap or they have in the past, right? Um, people don't really understand them and the way that a lot of Western societies are geared toward, uh, they're geared toward the very masculine, go-getter, do-do, extroverted way of life. And so that can really sideline a lot of introverts. Um, and so what I like to do is I like to focus on like what's what's the best about you know there is so much power in being an introvert and i really want people to know that and to be able to express that so for you as an introvert what do you think is the best part about being an introvert that is an awesome question and to your point yeah um, being in the corporate world for 10 years that masculine energy is what is championed and not a lot out there's not a lot of room for the feminine energy and i think my favorite part is because i I grew up not around a lot of people. I didn't have a lot of friends. I was really able to experiment and dabble and do a lot of different things. And um, when you dabble and experiment, I think that's where you find what you're good at, what you love. And so I think you get there a little faster than maybe extroverts that, I don't know, it's different being a go-getter and being exuberant and outgoing and being quiet and introverted introspective you you find time to really piece your thoughts together in a way that others don't and I think I think you feel on a deeper level I mean all of those things go into why I think that quiet feminine energy is really powerful and I think there's a calming it's almost like a cool uh like a cool, calm stream. It's it's present. It's always. It's forever, and it's always nurturing. It always gives you something. Like you always need water, and it's always there. So I feel like being an introvert is kind of like that in a way. It's always going to have something for you, and it's just constant. Ah, oh, that's so good. Yeah, I mean, it, it's such a contradiction to what we've been raised in, in this like very masculine patriarchal society where it's like there's lack and there's never enough and there's competition for the lack of resources. Whereas like you were saying that going inward and just going within and figuring out what you need and what your values are and then looking at your experiences from a deeper reasoning and with and going about and committing to things with an intended action, intentional action, rather than just throwing spaghetti on the wall, right? Absolutely, that is perfect. (laughs) I think, yeah, there's just a bit more subtlety, but also a a quiet power when when you know deep within yourself what you need, what you want, and you, you, you go after that, even if you're making mistakes and experimenting along the way, it's with a, a deeper meaning and there's this this assuredness that you kind of exude because of it. So we could go on and on about that and I think we will as the conversation goes. I'm also interested, Rowan, in when you first identified as an introvert and how it 
it shaped you and uh, when you interacted and engaged in the world? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, growing up, I didn't have a lot of friends. I had a couple really great friends, but for the most part, going through school was really difficult for me, being um, bullied and not having a lot of support from teachers at the time. And so I would find myself pulling away from conversations. In fact, I was so severely bullied that I actually developed a stutter. I couldn't speak in front of people at all. And so because of that, because I couldn't talk to people, unless I was, I felt safe around them like a friend or family, I didn't really do a lot with other people. And I would pull away and I would just do my own little thing, whether that was writing or drawing or whatever it was. And in my later school, I got into drama and theater. And I really found a great group of friends there. I don't know when I first thought of the word introvert was probably in junior high around age, I don't know, 12 or 13 would be the first time I probably said, oh, I I think I'm an introvert. But, you know, it's interesting when you label something, you automatically, you're assigned to a group, right? Mm -hmm. So introverts are and then fill in the blank. And I always wanted to be without labels. I do identify as an introvert still and somebody that's very emotional mm-hmm. and sensitive. And I think being an introvert has opened the door to a whole group of people that feel the same feel the same vibes I do on a Friday night or even when um, they're in a big room with a lot of people. Like, how do you interact? You still want to have that connection with other humans. And it's difficult when your first inclination is to go, you know, by the door where no one can see you and just wait wait it out right Mm -hmm. but I find I've you know thank goodness I had an amazing college experience and some amazing friends and it really pulled me out of my shell but yeah I think being an introvert and identifying at such a young age with that not only made it okay to be the way I was but also you find other people when you kind of know yourself a little bit better you find other people that are kind of like that. And then those people have such a connection with you right off the bat. Mm, absolutely. I think you you so succinctly put it so well there because at first when you think about identifying as an introvert, you don't want any more labels than what society is already giving you, right? Because you're, you're fighting to release those those labels because they can be very restrictive and not expansive. And so it's almost that you don't want, or at least in my case, I didn't want to identify as an introvert. I thought that was going to limit me. And I fought a long, long time to actually to not be an introvert because I was in PR, I was dealing with a lot of people in very high places. And I thought if I show them that I'm an introvert or that I'm a little quieter in my approach, they're, they're not gonna trust me or not gonna trust my skills. And it wasn't until I actually released that expectation that I had of myself and, and actually fell into my power that I was like, actually, no, I'm getting a lot, I'm, I'm meeting a lot more people. I'm connecting on a deeper level with a lot of other people because I'm now back to who I am. Absolutely. Oh, gosh, yes, 100%. And I also really want to acknowledge your journey as well when you were saying that you were severely um, bullied to the point where you developed a speech Im- impediment, but then you, you actually jumped into acting and, you know, drama. So I, 
I'm very curious how, what made that shift from, you know, that, you know, horrible traumatic experience of being bullied to, you know, falling into your own power and getting on the stage. Yeah, it was such a flip um, from being so quiet. And I, you know, I still had the stutter when I wasn't on stage. But when you're on stage, you're allowed to be there. There's some sort of permission slip that you get that says, I'm playing this role. You have to listen to me, which which was um, incredible. So it was like for the first time, I think my first role, I played 12 Dancing Princesses. I had the lead in that. And then I played Snow White the following season. And if you know me, I had really, really blonde hair at the time. And so I, I had to dye my hair. It, it was a while until it came out. But um, <laughs> I think being on stage and knowing that people were going to be quiet and wouldn't say anything when I said my lines helped me a lot. And then I, you also have a lot of other people that are drawn to theater, I think, that I didn't know that have similar experiences. They feel like they're they don't have anybody else to run or they feel like the other, they feel like an outsider, they feel weird and I think the theater attracts those kinds of people together so find some of the greatest friends when you're when you're putting on shows. I don't know, I think that's why. I, I You know what Heather, I don't think I've ever been asked that before. <laughs> I just, I find it really empowering that at such a young age that you really we're like, fuck this. You know, I had this impediment because of how I was treated, but, you know, I'm still going to jump on stage and give it my all and follow my passion. Yeah, it was it was awesome. And then going from theater and high school to college was a totally different platform. Mm-hmm. Um, but also people didn't know me in college. So I could leave. They didn't know me as the weird one, the one that wrote um, Alexander Dumas fan fiction. They had no idea. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I did. I wrote a play at like a, a, about three musketeers when I was in seventh grade, and I recruited all my best friends to be um, musketeers. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what else? I mean, it was people just didn't know when I went to college who I was, and I was, you know, how weird and how ostracized I was in, in school, in grade school. So I was, I almost got like a fresh start, and so that really helped with my speech impediment too. I didn't, I almost lost my stutter overnight. And still to this day, it's been a very long time. But if I get in a situation where I'm very nervous, it mm-hmm. comes back. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I can hold a coherent conversation with people now. And it's because I forced myself outside my comfort zone. And I was like, you know what, this is my, this is my life. And if I don't advocate for myself, and if I don't do it, it's going to be this forever. So I think having that moment of this is enough. I deserve more and I have more to give and just giving myself like taking that permission slip away from somebody else and putting it in my own pocket and I have it to use whatever I want ah yes yes I so relate to that and that when you you take back your power it's so amazing to see what opportunities lie in front of you when you do that right because you can find yourself when you're giving the power away to other people, you're actually, I, I, I almost kind of feel like you're blindfolding yourself to the possibilities of what you could be because you're saying that my, my power and, and who I am is only based on how these people view me. And then when you take that back by force or by 
your your choice or or by experience you're then stepping in and forward into your own life and saying no this is how i want to live my life this is who i want to to be this is that these are the experiences i want to have and it's so much more richer because of it yeah and it's with respect and a lot, some people don't have that intention for you but you know at the end of the day they're living their life and you're living yours and they don't they don't get an opinion especially if they're not if they're not in your nation and they're not doing what you do they definitely don't get an opinion just need to follow your intuition people are smarter than they give themselves credit for if they just are quiet and lean in to that that little voice inside and i think that's another point for introverts like point for introverts because we have that ability to be still and listen and and think a little bit longer than maybe the average person would think about um what it is that where where we should go what's the direction what do i do in this moment i think introverts have a little lift on our extroverted friends Oh, yeah. And like you were saying, that having that moment where we're not afraid of being silent and going and listening to our intu- intuition and then following that. Whereas I think when you're always in the action, you're never giving yourself that chance to listen to, to what you really need and, and the steps you need to take. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so good. Yes. I'm curious as well, because you mentioned that you've You've been in the corporate world for 10 years, and, and obviously you're this amazing mindset mentor and writer now. So I want to know more about your your journey in the corporate world as an introvert and the challenges that you had to work through, you know, building and growing seven-figure businesses during that time. And I'm also curious, like, the steps that you took to, to be the, the woman author that you are today. Yeah. Oh, boy. I mean, 10 years is a long time. I've been doing what I do for a really long time. And I think um, one of the biggest challenges coming from that introverted background, and that's just how I operate. That's my MO. I'm pretty quiet and even keel. I've been called the human jasmine candle in the room. I think starting out, my first job outside of college after I graduated, my first big girl job was taking over an events department for a chain of boutique hotels. And when I went in for that interview, the general manager of the hotel, who I love and adore, she looked at me and she said, great, you know, we're hiring for an event manager, or she didn't even use the word manager, we're hiring for an event coordinator. It's gonna be part-time, and you know, this is kind of what what it will look like. And I looked at her, the introvert that I was, summoned up all the gumption from my toes all the way up and said, you know what, no, it's gonna be full-time. And it's going to be a way bigger thing than you think. And I thought I blew it. And I, I went home knowing that I did not get that job. But I got a call. And surprise, surprise, I, she handed me the keys to that room. And I grew, I 5 x the bookings in, in that room in, in six months. And we reached out to tourism bureau and local vendors and really built this thing up from the ground and created this culture in, in the hotel and around events and around community. And that was my first big girl job. And then I moved into corporate retail, being um, an extension of home office in the field. And I opened stores and I took over feeling businesses and where it was able to turn around toxic cultures. And I think because and be, I think because I'm an empath and I can I can sympathize and empathize with people where they're coming from, even though I don't necessarily agree. I can always understand where people are coming from. 
I think that works in my favor when taking over teams and building teams from scratch to multi-million dollar businesses that I, I know to listen and I, I know to start where people left off and figure out where there are issues and where I can help them immediately get a win. I think, you know, being an introvert really helps with identifying those kind of trickier, navigating that that base where you really have to be emotionally intelligent. You can't just come in all guns a-blazing. I think a lot of the stores that I've taken over and teams that I've impacted have frustration. And I think you you can come in and say, oh, this team is, is failing. They're not doing their job. But if you take a beat and pause, it's not that they don't want to. It's that they were not equipped properly to do it. So, you know, through the 10 years that I've been doing this, flipping stores and um, building up these multi-million dollar um, brick and mortars, it's just, it, go, it all goes back to meeting the teams where they need the resources, filling the need, and then building and layering on from there. And I think because how I did that, the you know, coming at it from a, a human perspective as a human, talking to other humans, that's kind of where that mindset work really started. I was without knowing it, I was implementing these things that I was, you know, that I was learning along the way and that I could, where I could help people get over mindset blocks and get over hurdles and get over, you know, get out your own way. And I think it just kind of grew organically from there. I've always been a writer. I've written, like I said, from a young age. Um, but now it's more around trying to help people see the value, the intrinsic value that they already possess inside them somewhere. And I have... I'm so thankful I had the gift to see exactly what it is and to tell them. I That is my favorite thing, to lead somebody to their own power and their own awesome, unique gift. And it doesn't have to be... I think we often think that gifts are... Not to go on a bunny trail. Now I'm like on a bunny trail. I'm going to follow it. Go ahead. Yes, I'm in, I want to know more. <laughs> but they think I don't have a talent. I don't have a gift. I'm not super talented at anything. Because we think of talents and gifts and super, and super, we use the word superpower, but all that is is a gift or a special ability or skill. It doesn't have to be this huge thing. They're like, oh, well, if I can't cure somebody's sickness, if, if I'm not, if I can't talk to thousands of people and impact, then, I, then I'm not deserving of that space or I, I don't have a talent. It's just, you know, all I can do is bake the best damn chocolate chip cookies in the world and they're so good. But that's not a talent. That's not like anything special. And I'm like, well, hold up. Actually, tell me about your cookies. Mm. <laughs> tell me about this. And they'll tell me a story about, oh, you know, my family asks for it every, every, every Christmas. This is what they want. You are a huge part of your family's. That, the, the story of the luck and experience around a holiday, you impact that at such a high level. You carry these stories and this smell and this, this idea and this, this memory with you for all time. You're not, you're telling me that you don't think that's special. And I'm just, that's where I can become very sassy and irreverent. I'm like, no girl, uh-uh. This is actually your superpower and you can't even see it. It's so, so cool. And I think I freak people out when I do that because I get really passionate about it. But yeah, it, it can be something as small and I'm doing air quotes, as small as making cookies or you can light up a room or you can turn around a conversation or it doesn't have to be something so big because I think big is subjective. Yeah, it, it just can be anything, but that's my favorite 
art, and that's my that's my favorite part of what I do through my writing and through talking to people and coaching my teams is showing them how how awesome they are. Oh, I love that, and I just yeah, I was following your passion. You can tell that this is this is what you've been called to do. And when you're talking about helping others identify their superpower, as you put it. I think that's really important to note that something that's very that comes very naturally to people, they just assume that everyone has it or that it's nothing because they didn't have to work for it, right? That mindset that, you know, you have to work for something that, you know, is going to be successful, right? And if it's something that's so innate to who they are, it's this beautiful innate um, talent that they've been born with or that they've just followed because they they love it, they, they don't think of that as something like a gift that they can bring to somebody and grow some success out of that. Absolutely. And can I talk to Midwesterners for a second? Um, as a fellow Midwesterner, I know Heather, you are as well. Yes, <laughs> preach girl. In the Midwest, in any hardworking family, blue, you know, blue collar, we grow up with the mindset that you have to hustle, you have to put in long hours, you have to make you have to work harder than anybody to get something important and special. And if it, and if you work hard, the payoff is, is that special thing. And I think because I grew up in that environment, and there's, I mean, amazing people, right? Mm-hmm. They're hard workers. They really are. But because they think they have to work so hard for it, they can't see their gift. They, uh, they, they have a hard time identifying it because they don't have to, to point work very hard for it it comes naturally so it can't be valuable if it's coming naturally but i think that's the mindset shift when you know that what is coming naturally is actually something that is a gift uh divinely appointed it's there in your soul it was put there for a reason it's funny because we feel like we have to work really hard or it's not valuable Mm -hmm. but in this case when you're talking about a gift or a passion something that comes naturally it's actually the exact opposite it's something you just have to learn to identify it i think that's the trick and learn to appreciate and honor it yes oh absolutely and and so i think a lot of listeners at this point are like yes i follow this yes they're resonating i mean i'm getting goosebumps when you're talking about this but they might be at that stage where they're like well that's great, but I don't know how to find my passion. What are some tips that you'd recommend for listeners to kind of just unpick maybe where their passion might be sitting? Yes. Oh my gosh, such a good question. So for me, being from a family that was a very, very hard worker, my both my parents had multiple jobs growing up. They still do. They are so smart, so educated, and they still work so hard for what they have. I thought that I had to do the same thing. And I was actually, I was a, a bit of a smarty pants. I started college when I was 15 years old, graduated early, top of my class. I wanted to be a doctor, but I wanted to do it earlier than any other person. And I wanted to be a doctor. My doctor was my fallback. I wanted to be an astronaut, actually, but a cardiologist was my backup plan. And so I went to college as pre-med, and it just did not, you know, it wasn't me. It wasn't what I wanted to do, although I'm fascinated still by, by medicine. It wasn't what I wanted to do. And I think I had to realize that working so hard, making myself sick and um, almost getting in the hospital because I was working so hard because, you know, it's not it's not worth it if it's not hard. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really made me take a step back and assess what I wanted to do. And, man, I'm, I'm really good at writing. I'm, I'm really good at 
talking to people one-on-one and in small groups, maybe there's something there. And I switched my major to math communication, minor in film, and I did um, I did a film out in L.A. where I, I directed, and I had a, a premiere on Sunset Boulevard. Real actors, real craft table, craft service table. It was awesome. And you know, I think through the last ten years, I've been dabbling in experimenting because nothing's. Re- I tried on a lot of different things, and nothing's really felt exactly right. And then after ten years, I was like, "Oh boy, I've been trying so hard. Maybe it isn't this hard. I'm really good at talking to people. I'm really good at listening. I'm really good at seeing through BS and and." getting to the heart of, of, of a situation and what they're really good at. I think what helped me figure it out over the 10 years was allowing myself to dabble and experiment and then journaling. I cannot talk enough about the importance of reflection and, um, and, and just uh, assessing what you've been doing. So if you're allowing yourself time to experiment and dabble and do all the things, you can't just keep going and going and going. You have to take a beat and figure out, like, how did that feel? How did Was that easy? Were there parts of it that I could learn to, um, even if it was difficult, I can learn in this moment um, and grow here, or is it totally wrong? Um, I think journaling has helped me. It's helped me with every breakthrough I've ever had. And then do something called build yourself some troll repellent. There's trolls online, and you've got to carry a pouch of troll repellent with you at all times. Um, and what that is, is your hype file. Anytime that you try on something new and you love it, um, you get a compliment. You hear somebody says, oh, you did really good at that. Or, oh my gosh, thank you so much for your help with X, Y, or Z. You're going to write it down and, and just put it in a Google Doc, email it to yourself, do something where you can access this stuff. So when negativity rolls in and people don't understand what you're doing and they don't get it, and maybe you should just forget about that and do the safe thing, which is your nine to five then you can come back to this file, your troll repellent, and you can read through it and become more inspired and remember why you're doing it in the first place. I think that's important. And then you have to know that your reasons are more important than any excuses, right? So the reason why you're called and why you have a passion and why you have a drive and, a, and an innate ability for something is because you're supposed to. And you, you need to keep that in focus when everything else gets really difficult. Mm. Oh, there's so much goodness in there. I'm just, yes, yes, shaking my head, yes. <laughs> I also think that hype file is such a good idea for when you get beat down. Because the thing is, is that you are a trailblazer if you follow your passion, because there's so many people who give in to fear and and worry and stress. And so they say no to following their passion and they don't commit to it. So. For the ones who are following their passion, who are taking the steps despite, you know, questions from loved ones or from coworkers or from friends, they're they're moving despite that. It can be hard sometimes in those in-between moments when you're you do something and you have no clue of what's going to happen. So I think that hype file like you said is so important and I'm thinking, yes, I need to build that myself. Yeah, and it's, it's, I, I've gotten questions about it. Like, what exactly are you talking about a hype file? And literally go to Google Docs, open a fresh blank page, and all you have to do is copy and paste or maybe send yourself a screenshot of your phone if it's on your phone and just put it in there. It's going to look sloppy and messy unless you're really 
um, unless this is your superpower and you can organize like nobody nobody else. But but it's just there for you, Um, and it's nothing fancy, and and you don't you can't do this right or wrong. It's just there. Um, It's evidence backing up your goal. Um, Anytime that you get sidetracked or you get demotivated, and somebody says something that really um, gets to you, that's just something you open. It's in it's Google Docs. You can people do this in email as well. If you just email like a nice somebody says something nice about about you or your or um, what you're doing on the side, um, your passion, your goal, you just, you know, you can email it to yourself as well. There's no right or wrong way to do it. The important thing is just to have something that is evidence-based where you're rewriting a story in your head um, and you're creating more and more evidence for the new story of why you're doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so powerful in terms of helping you you know switch the script and and to really see a different perspective and and move forward in your your new dream and kind of up level your own life yeah absolutely you know and you you asked like what did i do to finally figure it out and it's um you know it's a lot of experimenting and it's but you you have to allow yourself to do that to try on different things and know but then once you kind of get a little more focused in and you kind of you have eliminated some things you got to keep um, that negativity out. And it's going to come. And it comes from places like maybe your family and friends, people who want to protect you, but they're coming into that situation with their own limitations. And maybe they don't have that mindset of doing something really scary. Um, and they're just trying to protect you, but know that, you know, it's okay to have a different perspective. My husband is one of these people that would rather have the safe job, I'm using air quotes, the clock in, clock out with benefits kind of job. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just had this conversation the other day. I would argue a clock in, clock out job is not very I have had a lot of jobs where it was my future was kind of tentative and unknown and I have been fired, laid off, whatever you want to call it, three times. Mm-hmm. And I'm a hard worker. Whether that was for payroll or company restructure or whatever it was, I would argue that a nine to five isn't necessarily safe. I'd rather bet on myself any day of the week. Oh, yes. <laughs> I completely resonate with that. I mean, that was my own, my own experience as well when I um, was made redundant in the UK, you know, three and a half thousand miles away from family. I had a good group of friends over there, but, you know, laid off and, and thinking, hey, I did everything I could do. I was winning awards. I was doing all the things people liked me. They, they were shocked when I was laid off, but that's just business, right? And like you were saying, you could do all the right things and still be thrown a wrench in your your plan. So why not bet bet on yourself? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So I'm curious as well, you mentioned all these great uh, mindset tips that I'm certainly going to use and I think it's going to be really helpful for our like ambitious introverts. But for you, what was the trigger for you like working and doing all this this amazing work in corporate and then deciding that you wanted to follow your own passion as a mindset mentor and a writer? Ooh, good question. What was the trigger mm-hmm. that made me um, follow this path? Oh, that's good. I would feel like it, it had to be recent, but honestly, the reason I'm doing this, it goes back to thinking about my family and how hard they worked multiple jobs all the time. They still are. And relying on other uh, another person or a company 
to cut your neck and, and tell you how valuable your time is. I think growing up with that and seeing how, I mean, my, my parents are funny. They are also in the theater in their local community. They're funny, they're gifted, they're super smart. Um, they care so much about people and they're still handed the check when somebody else is telling them how valuable they are. And I think for me watching that and growing up and being a latchkey kid, if you don't know what that is, that means I came home and my parents were home when I was a kid starting around third or fourth grade. I let myself in, we ate cereal, watched PBS or Judge Judy, and that was my life. But I didn't get a lot of time with my family. I wanted something different for myself. And I definitely don't think somebody else should ever tell you how valuable you are. And so I think that kind of put me on a path without knowing it of entrepreneurship and side hustle and uh, doing something for yourself that ultimately at the end of the day, it's not, you're not giving your time and your your life and your, your years to somebody else. And at the end you get a, a wristwatch or whatever. You're doing something that you own that you have ownership of, that you can claim, that you that you have your name on, there's no limit to that. You can do as much as you want. And I think that for me, knowing that I have no limit if I can do this on my own and not wait for somebody else's permission slip, it gets me so fired up. Yeah, I think that was, I think just growth in that environment is why I do what I do. Oh, that's amazing. So decided you wanted to create your business and I think that can be really overwhelming for a lot of people because it takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of focus and it takes a lot of drive, right? So can you talk to me about some changes you needed to make in order to transition as a business owner and and go from just the, the sole focus of the corporate life to juggling the corporate life and as well as your own business yeah oh my gosh and if you know if you know me you know I'm an organization in a systems like junkie I love this stuff I I I have so many if if my husband came home and I, I was like I got more baskets or containers he'd be like oh god um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I could talk about systems and scheduling and things like that um, because all of that's important to have, you know, a system in place and to be able to manage your time and balance all of these crazy things that going on, whether you've got kids, family, you're involved in your community, whatever it is, all of that's important. But I think the number one thing, if you're waffling on the edge, you know that there's something on the horizon and you feel this universe inside your soul and you just know you're meant for more the number one thing that you can do for yourself is to give yourself permission to invest in yourself. And that doesn't have to be financial, but if that's the place you're at, go for it. I just mean, buy the damn book, go to the library, listen to the podcast, write the thing, do the thing. Just give yourself permission to own your God-given gift, girl. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's that, that repetition, right? It's, it's not just buying the book and putting it on um, your bookshelf and just saying, I'll get to it later. It's like showing up consistently, whether that be like weekly, like 15 minutes a week, or, you know, it's that repetition of that you're, you're changing slowly, but surely your mindset and your perspective and you're expanding it into, you know, what if, what if I jumped? Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it starts with, for me, 
for me, the way it started with giving myself permission to invest in myself, I, I have two babies, a family, I am a, a working mom, I have a stay-at-home, my husband is a stay-at-home dad, so I am the sole breadwinner. I've got a lot of pressure on my on my shoulders to make sure that I'm bringing home the bacon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, paying money for something for myself was the hardest thing to do. So I didn't start out that way. I actually started by a decision to not music on the way to work. I had a 45-minute commute. And instead of listening to the radio, I listened to podcasts and things that would fill me up and, and teach me new things about marketing and mindset and all of these things. And so I just started with a free podcast. And then I, I was like, oh, man, podcasts are kind of awesome. They're, I mean, find them about any subject you want. And so I just started listening to podcasts. And then I was like, you know what, maybe I'll get some books. And I went to the library. Again, free resource. And if you have a library that has a Libby app, L-I-B-B-Y, I am not sponsored. <laughs> but Libby is a free app that you can have on your phone where you can actually rent or borrow, excuse me, borrow books on your phone in audiobooks. You can read them. So you don't even have to go to the library. You don't have to take that time to, to do another thing. But, you know, apart from all the tools and the system, all the things, I think the most important thing is giving yourself permission just to invest time in yourself and learn new things because it's going to keep, it's going to pick up speed and it's going to pick up momentum. I started with podcasts, but then pretty soon I was in groups and I was in classes and courses and you know i've now i've just the last couple of weeks i've made the biggest investment in my business i've ever made you know but it started very small it starts with one decision so find some way to invest in yourself would be would be my my best piece of advice Oh, I love that. And yes, as you were talking through your own journey, I so related to that as well, because yeah, those free resources like books and podcasts really do help just that that daily shift, whether that's in the morning, psyching yourself up with a really positive mindset and boosting your energy so you can kick ass that, that whole day, or as you unwind and you head home, or maybe both, it's just so imperative. I'm also curious as well, because for women who who are who've already made that jump and that plunge and they are working on their side hustle, which is their their passion and their business, but are in that sticky middle, as you say. Can you explain why you call it the sticky middle? And you know, what are some of the challenges that are and maybe the opportunities that, that lie in the sticky middle? Oh yes. Number one, if you've made that plunge and you are investing in yourself with time and you're dabbling and you're following passions, I just want to celebrate you, Mama. You are doing you are doing the thing that it's not it's not glorified, it's not glamorous. You will have a messy bun, maybe you haven't showered for two days and you've got laundry piled up to the ceiling, girl. This is what you're supposed to be doing. So just like I am just clapping for you right now. I think that it's it's okay to let some things go when you're pursuing this and the messy middle is Letting a few things go, you cannot do all of the things. I think you need support. If you have the ability to lean more on your partner, please do that. I think I think a lot of our, you know, some people are blessed with great partners. Some people are not. But if you have a partner that is willing to give you support, and maybe that's not a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, maybe that is a, you know, a friend, to take some of the, the monkeys off of your back and put them on somebody else, do that because you cannot do all the things. I think you need to be okay with having laundry piled up. I think you need to be okay with a little bit of a mess. 
I think you need to be okay with letting go of some some jobs. Um, I have an amazing partner, um, and one day I, I looked at him and said, oh, what would I have to do if I didn't have to do dishes anymore? I have not done dishes, ladies, in seven years. Because um, that's all I had to say. He's amazing. Um, not everybody has that. Um, but I think a lot of good partners that want the best thing for you and you, they want you to be happy, I think having a conversation with them and just saying, hey, I'm, I'm trying to do thing it would really help me if and then give them a concrete thing that they could do for you give them a, a specific thing that would help you out that's you know something that stresses you out that that stops your motivation or productivity and see if you can give them that job and I think a lot of times you'll find that people are happy especially a partner that wants the best for you they're happy to do something for you um, I think especially men they like to like solve problems and they like to accomplish things. So giving them something concrete where it's going to just make you a happier, more filled person, you know, I think that's something that is important to do as you're making this decision and the shift is to take some things off your plate and allow a little chaos because you are focused right now and you need, you need to pursue that one goal. And it's hard juggling all the things. It is. But keep focused and, and re- remove some pressure from yourself and get some things off of your plate that are not important. Yes. And you mentioned, you know, kind of like some of those energy hurdles. And I think, like you were saying, asking for help is some of the, one of the biggest things to do. It's It can be scary, especially if you are so independent that you, you kind of pride yourself on not asking for, for help. But that mindset and that way of being will only get you so far and so where you are in your business if you are if you've started a business and you're in that sticky middle you're not going to up level in your business until you spread the load and you you build that community around you and you ask for help yeah absolutely i mean and what do you think is going to happen when you when you try to scale you're going to hire somebody right maybe that's a virtual assistant or something and you are going to need to delegate so learning and stretching those little muscles right now is going to only help you to be road absolutely and for you right now in the sticky metal what are some challenges that you're navigating right now oh good question i mean i there's so many i mean from a tech perspective i'm not the techiest person I think getting support with tech is important is important for me. That's a difficult one. I think also something that's challenging for me is learning learning to be okay with a little chaos. For me, I love I love simplicity and calm and I love low light. I'm a very visual person, so like cooling cooling soothing colors and low light and, and amazing aromas make me call but right now when you're grinding and you are you are spending so much energy on your business you can have a little chaos and mess and you have I just um, I'm working through being okay with that laundry being piled up so high at the moment <laughs> oh that's so relatable and I think yeah like you were saying when you're you're busy um, moving forward and you're in that transition stage it's like cleaning your house or preparing for a move, right? It's you have to make a mess before you see 
see the next step, right? It's it's just part of the process. And I think for a lot of introverts, we we love our little zen dens or our little nooks or like a space that we can kind of get away. And you know, I think in those moments, it's it's important to say, okay. Yes, I can be happy with the chaos. And then maybe if you need like a moment to recharge or a space to recharge, like find a location. Maybe that's outside in your local park where you sit on a bench and just chill. Or maybe that is in a little area in your house where you can set low lights and have your, you know, your scented candles or, you know, just relax. Or maybe it's just taking a beat in your car and taking a couple breaths. It can be simple like that. Yeah, it can be. You know, I think having those things in your back pocket when you do get overwhelmed and stressed, um, it can bleed out into your family life and your dynamic there, or friends are catching some of that. They're stopping up your stress. And you know, to a certain extent that, you know, friends and family is so good to be able to lean on them. But at the same time, it's good to also have those retreats. Like, know what fills you back up and know what calms you. And to be able to say identify first of all okay I am not reacting well in this situation it's too much I'm getting too stressed out and to be able to number one identify that and to say I can choose again I can choose a different way and I can and I can do something about it and go to your park go to the farmer's market go outside do whatever you need to do Um, it's going to reframe you even 10 minutes away from your stress can take that down and, and put you in a different mindset Oh, so good. And you never know what sort of some creative downloads you're going to get from that experience. Because like you said, you're removing yourself from your certain environment, you're changing it up, you're engaging with other people or just seeing different things. And you're allowing that space and maybe a little bit of silence to happen. And you can get so much through that continuous use of like, yeah, scheduling in that your own time and and getting those retreats for yourself. Yes. Uh, I can't speak and I think for introverts that's so important so I agree with that all all the way (laughs) so you also mentioned that you have some steps from going from confused to focus and I'm like yes I need to hear these and I know our ambitious introverts are like yes 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 give it to us (laughs) so would you be able to share with nurse some of your steps yes absolutely so um, I actually did uh, touch on these a little earlier but you know, going through and not kind of not having my own focus understanding of, you know, what am I supposed to do? Like, I know I'm meant for more. I know I'm on this planet for a reason. But what is it? Uh, I went through, like I said, about 10 years of trying to kind of figure it out and thinking that it should be harder than it, it was and not seeing it for it was right there in front of me the whole time. But it took me 10 years to kind of figure it out. And what I've done is I've kind of condensed it in five steps. What those five things that really helped me move along to clarity. And so the, the, the first thing was I have this quote and I love this quote is man, know yourself. Then you will know the universe and God, Pythagoras. Um, that really resonated with me. I'm a big um, like Greek and Roman myth fan. And I have been for literally ever so that is such an important thing that really helped me when I was younger man know yourself because then you will know the universe and God amazing I think that my number one step would be self-appreciation you've got to know that you are created holy and you're created powerfully and you are created to be exactly 
you are. There's nothing wrong with you. You didn't. Uh, you have such a, a wealth of knowledge and experience and love inside of you. Um, it's important to take a beat and um, be okay with that. For a long time, I had a lot of self-worth and self-confidence issues, and that really stopped me from having, from grabbing onto my my purpose and my worry and my um, and all of those things. So, you know, what do you what do you get compliments on all the time? That's something to think about. What do people come to you for? What do you feel the most proud of? What comes naturally to you? You know, you think about all of these things, and you start to appreciate you for you um i think that was my number one thing starting my journey and then some somewhere along the road i started dabbling i call it the experimentation phase step two the experimentation phase and for me this was years you don't have to necessarily take years you can do something called oh i call it uh future vision casting where you kind of put yourself in the mindset of well if i pursued this thing if i wanted to make candles for example what does that look like and you kind of surround yourself in the world of it for a moment and see and you kind of try it out and feel it and then if you're like oh i i I like making candles but i i don't want to to deal with manufacturing and costs and laws and everything maybe that's not right for you so you move on now you can literally experiment if you want and you can have a little candle business or you could do this future vision casting and so you try on a couple of things. And for me, I went through astronaut, cardiology, mm-hmm. filmmaking, event planning, dressmaking, pattern making. What else did I do? I mean, there's so many things that I have tried on and I'm like, yeah, no, that's not right. But allow yourself to dabble. I mean, it's important. You got to kind of try some stuff on. And then the next thing that I have that I did was awareness. Step three would be uh, for me, journaling, I cannot speak enough about how powerful it is to reflect and to pause and really take assessment of what worked and what didn't and where, where that tension is coming from. Is it healthy tension or not? And I think some big things that I learned in the awareness process was that your gift doesn't have to be a big deal because here's the thing, importance is subjective. What your strength is could be a soft skill and something that isn't traditionally thought of as important, but it, it but it is because you you have this ability, and not a lot of other people, not a lot of other people do. Another mindset shift that I've over the last ten years was so it seems like such a little thing, but it doesn't have to be difficult. You know, we talked about this earlier. Growing up in that Midwestern blue collar, you got to hustle for it mentality. I thought that if it came easy. It wasn't worth it, and it wasn't valuable. But, but oh boy, was I wrong! Your gift doesn't need to be um, anything but what it is. It's perfect the way it is. But being aware and um, being reflective through some journaling was has always been important to me. And then, what I would encourage you to do next would be gather that troll repellent. You are going to face adversity. You are going to have moments that suck. You are going to say you're going to have people. So you know, quit, and it's not worth it, and whatever it is. And you have to have a reason that is stronger than your excuses. So have that troll repellent in your back pocket always. So you can uh, access that Google Doc. You can get into your email or wherever you have stored all of these evidence pieces, whether your friends, your family, your customers, your clients, your boss, your associates, your team, whatever it is, people that have given you encouragement, 
you can tap back into that and remember why it is you're doing what you're doing and in that you're actually good at it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the fifth, the fifth step is just to own your call. Once you find and you've experimented and you've taken that assessment and you kind of have some more clarity around it, to, to say it. And I think it's important to say it. You can write it, and I think there's power in the written word, like pen to paper, not typing. But if you vocalize this to a friend, family, you put it out into the world, you make it your Instagram bio, all of a sudden, you've just owned your calling. And you are able to kind of have clarity around your, and focus around what it is that you're doing. And I think it sounds so easy to own your calling after that, but it's it's about owning your calling every day any any day that you wake up you have to reclaim your calling so the fifth and final step is to every day make that decision that this is what i am meant to do supposed to do and to step into it Oh, that's so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And um, I'm sure all of our ambitious introverts are literally writing it down as we speak because I was like, yes, yes, yes. You've made it, you've condensed, you know, 10 years of your own experience into such a beautiful um, process that women can check in on themselves when it gets overwhelming or when it gets stressful and just go back to those five points and just take a deep breath and try and experiment and grow from that. So thank you. Oh, thank you. That was amazing. Thank you so much. And so Rowan, I know you have a, a lovely gift for our ambitious introverts. I wanted to know if you wanted to share a little bit more about that. Oh, absolutely. Yes. So through, I, I just, I want to be of service for people who identify as introverted, quiet, empath, if you think that you have all of these passions, this is especially for the multi-passionate creative person, because that's that's me in this journey that I, I have been on for so long. I have created a roadmap, this five-step roadmap to going in, uh, from confused and just not knowing your direction to finally finding out what you are good at, what your talent is, and stepping into it. So I call it my five-step roadmap to finding the purpose you can find it on my website, um, www.powerbuttonlife.com, and you can um, snag it, a copy there. It's, it takes you all the way through. It's absolutely free. My uh, goal and my purpose with doing this is to make sure that no one has unfulfilled potential. And I walk you through everything that I just talked about in some more detail, and there's some more support with me. Um, you get access to me as well with this, um, with this guidebook. So it's a, oh, how many pages? I think it's, I go pretty detailed in this. How many pages is it? <laughs> we love going detailed as introverts. <laughs> it's a nine page document that has supporting articles, um, journaling prompts, um, areas to reflect. And so you can, it's kind of a workbook as well. So you can really get some personal work done and really figure out around, get just pull apart everything that is confusing to you and get to the heart of why you are on this planet and why you won the lottery to be here. Oh, that's amazing. And it's so important. I, I think a lot of women who are listening who are ambitious introverts, but also like you were saying, very multi-passionate and resonate with your story of experimenting and trying and are maybe in that, that stage where they're just not sure 
know which direction to take. I think that that workbook is going to be so uh, beneficial to them. So ladies, I will have the link to Rowan's workbook listed in the show notes. So please do click that and grab yourself a free copy because it's amazing. So may I just, if you're having any issues, because I'm importing my website to another host, if you're having any issues, um, can I give them my Instagram handle and they can just DM me and I'll make sure that they get a copy. Absolutely. Yes. Where can um, listeners find you on Instagram? I hang out a lot on Instagram. Um, so you can get me at Rowan Volmer, V as in Victor, O-L-L-N-E, Rowan Volmer. And if you're having any issues at all, just DM me and I'll make sure that you get this copy. Perfect. And ladies, all of those links um, to find Rowan, to connect with her, to follow her own journey, and maybe even seeking support on your own will be in the show notes. So please do click and connect with her. She's amazing as you can hear from her own journey. And she truly has that passion to support and serve. Thank you so much. This has been um, amazing. And thank you for letting me speak with you and your, uh, you are amazing as well. Your group, your, your community that you've built around you. I'm just so honored, truly, to be here and to, uh, to speak today. Oh, thank you so much, fellow introvert. Thanks for listening to this episode. Hopefully I gave you the boost you needed to start your week. If it did, it would be appreciated if you spent two minutes right now to give this podcast a review on iTunes and then share the episode with an introverted friend who needs to hear this message. Your review will make sure other ambitious introverts who are struggling to find their voice and focus find this show and can receive the love and support we hope you felt today. Thank you. And remember, your perceived introverted weaknesses are your powerhouse.